Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. Our desire is to help people understand God's intention for their life. We hope wherever you're listening, you are blessed by this week's message. Good morning. I'm excited to be with you once again. I'm sharing on something that I think is very, very critical, and I would hope that you could just uh, lock in with me for a few minutes. And it's on the subject of hope. You know, we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, and I believe that the Lord is really stirring in us this important message because there's a lot of people, maybe you're one of them, that their hopes are not high. You know, hope is a word that you would translate as a desire for the future, something that you look towards with pleasure, something that you anticipate. And I realize that a lot of people are living each and every day, but they don't have a hope. They're just kind of living for the moment. They're surviving, they're fielding, whatever's coming their way, but they're not living with a great anticipation, a pleasurable anticipation of something in the future. God wants your hopes to be restored. And I want to share with you Um, what he wants your hope to rest on, you know, and before I even get further into that, I just want to let you know that brighter days are ahead. You know, that's a, that's a key thing that I, I I believe is very important. And and that is to speak the word, speak a prophetic word, speak a word of blessing. And so I'm very big on that. Sometimes just like you, you know, I go through things, I go through challenges. There are things that I face that sometimes can frustrate me, sometimes could put me in a place where I'm not clear on what to do next. And every time that happens, I sense the Lord telling me, open your mouth and speak a word of grace, speak a word of blessing, give a word of thanks, create an atmosphere of hope and anticipation for something good happening. And so let me just say this again, for you, brighter days are ahead. The Lord is with you. The Lord wants to restore your hope. He is restoring your hope. He's restoring your joy. Things are getting better in the name of Jesus. I want to start with Romans chapter 5. And it starts off with verse 1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope. We rejoice in hope. And you may ask, well, you know, how do I know if I have hope? You know, I don't, I don't know if there's true hope in, on the inside of me. Here's the question. Are you a person of joy? Because hope has the instinctive uh, reaction of joy. Like once, once you're walking with a hope that's in your heart, you're walking with a level of joy. Because hope lets you know something good is about to happen. Something good is about to take place. Something good is heading your way. And when that is a feeling and when that is a message that your heart carries, you walk with a sense of joy. And so I want you to know that that's a key indicator if you have hope. Are you joyful? Are you looking towards the future with a sense of great pleasure and great anticipation? Do you have a stillness in your heart that good things are headed your way? You can have that. And so it says again, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory, and this is going to be a little crazy here, we glory in tribulations. Man, think about that. So sometimes... It's easy to see people glorying when things are, things are great. And, and, and when, the, when the Apostle Paul used the word glory, he means we're rejoicing, we're, we're riding high, we're boasting, we're, we're, we're celebrating. 
it's easy to think about doing that when things are when things are great. But he says we also glory in tribulation. When things are not so great, when things are tough, when things are difficult, we're glorying, we're celebrating. We're 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 having a a, a party, <laughs> if you would. I mean, that's amazing when you think about that. But why? Well, he answers that question knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. So I like to sometimes reverse engineer scriptures. When I read something, I kind of go reverse with it, right? So the last thing we see here is hope. That's the end, right? But what, what comes right before hope? Character. Character could also be translated as experience, right? When you have character, there's something about you that allows you to see things a certain way, even when they're not great, even when things are, uh, are difficult, you see things a certain way. You see the silver lining. You see God. You see potential. You see things to be grateful for. And what does that do? It produces hope. And so you see hope is the end result here. Character precedes that. Right before character is perseverance. Perseverance is just a stubbornness to keep moving forward. Perseverance is that thing that tells you, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to just, you know, quit at the first sign of opposition. You know, there's a famous quote that Mike Tyson has, and he says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, you know? And I always laugh at that because it's so true. And you know, when boxers, they're promoting their fight and they're talking about, oh yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And he can't, he can't fight with me and I'm going to do this. And, and there was one particular fighter who was saying a whole bunch of stuff of what he's going to do to Mike Tyson. Oh, Mike Tyson, he, he tries to bully people, but I'm going to just keep him at, at distance with my jab. And, and, and then Mike goes up. He says, listen, everybody has a plan. Everyone thinks that they're going to beat me. Everyone thinks they're going to do something until they get punched in the mouth. And there's something about getting punched in the mouth that makes you rethink your plan. Like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know if this is going to work. But this is where perseverance comes in. And maybe you've been punched in the mouth, so to speak. Maybe you had a plan and you felt like, okay, I'm going to go forward with this. Maybe you had a big 2020 plan. And then that 2020 plan doesn't seem to be panning out the way you thought it would. What do you do? You persevere. Perseverance is the thing that allows you to develop character. Character is the thing that allows you to have hope. This is why we rejoice in tribulation, because tribulation produces all of those things. Trust me, I don't want tribulation. I don't like it. You know, I'm not looking for tr trouble or difficulty, but I do know this. It is a reality of the life that we live. It is a reality of the world that we're in. So we might as well use it for our advantage. When we are faced with tribulation, when we're faced with difficulty, when we're faced with things that are troublesome and difficult, what do we do? We rejoice. Why do we rejoice? We understand that it's in that moment that if I persevere, I'll develop character and my character will produce hope. That is what God is saying to you. You can have hope no matter what the circumstances are. It's because these are the things that produce hope. Tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. I like it. I like how it said in um, James, James chapter one. James says this in verse two to four. He says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it a joyful thing. Like, think about that. You lost your job. Woo! This is a joyful occasion. You know, you, you, you lost, you know, a loved one. And, and, and I want to be very sensitive because I know many of us have lost people that we 
we love, right? Counter the joyful occasion. Doesn't mean that you can't mourn, doesn't mean you can't be sad, but there's another aspect to it. You know, the scriptures have a duality to it. Sometimes one thing can be true and another at the same time. And so while there is difficulty, while there is mourning, while there is, you know, troublesome things going on, tribulation, there is also another aspect of it. And he says this, he says, count it a joyful occasion when you fall into various trials. Here's that word again, knowing, knowing, knowing. In other words, he's speaking of perspective here. Why do you get excited? Why, why is there a, a joyful occasion when something doesn't seem to be joyful? Because you know something. What do you know? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. This is what happens. Patience is another word for experience or perseverance, I should say. Patience is what you develop. It's a, it's a capacity that, think about your heart. It's like your heart being expanded to be able to endure more and to go longer and to go further. It's the ability to maintain joy even in an unideal circumstance. That's what happens. He says, when you're going through this, your faith produces patience. But then he says this, let patience have its perfect work, which means, I like, again, I like, to like, I like to say the reverse of that. It's possible not to let patience have its perfect work. It's possible to complain. It's possible to say, I don't like this. I'm not going to accept this. I don't want to go through this. Why me, God? Have your head down. If you do all of those things, you're not allowing patience to have its perfect work. But what if you say, okay, God, this is not my ideal. This is not what I thought. It's not what I planned, but I'm going to still rejoice. I'm going to still believe that brighter days are ahead. I'm going to still trust in your goodness. I'm not going to complain. I'm still going to be a giver. I'm still going to be generous to people. I'm still going to serve. I'm still going to have a posture of a winner. I'm not going to hold my head down looking, woe is me, life is terrible, I should just, you know, you know, just be done with this life. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to have or I'm going to allow patience to have its perfect work. And here's the reason. So that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If you could just write that down, if you know, remember these three aspects that this produces. Perfection, and I'll tell you what that is, complete, lacking nothing. That's the purpose. God wants you to be perfect, he wants you to be complete, and he wants you to lack nothing. Look, we're going to go through difficulties. We're going to go through trials. We're going to go through tribulation. We're going to go through things that are not ideal, that are not pleasurable. That's the reality. Hey, this is my perspective. If we got to go through it, I want to make sure that on the other side, I get something out from it. What do I get from this? Well, God wants you to get three things. He wants you to be perfect. He wants you to be complete. And he wants you to lack nothing. Perfect means whole. That means you're not coming out of this tattered and torn, beaten down, trodden. Your mind is just messed up. Your heart is messed up. You're jaded about life. No, I'm complete. I'm whole. Complete has the same connotation. You're, 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 you're intact, you're together, you're strong. Lacking nothing. Again, all derivatives of the same meaning. You're, you're everything you need, everything that God uh, would have you to have, you have. You're not leaving this season in want and in lack. 
This is what the picture is. This is why we can have hope that even when we're going through challenging times and things that are difficult and things that are not ideal, I can still be perfect. I can still be complete and I can still lack nothing. That's the blessing that the Lord is releasing over you right now. I declare right now that you will be perfect, complete, whole. You will lack nothing. You are coming out stronger than ever before in Jesus' name. If you believe that, I want you to say, I receive that right now. Come on, God wants you to get your hopes up. He wants your hopes to be restored. And he wants you to lack nothing. And this is the plan of God. You know, I love a, a particular scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. It says, these three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is certainly love. But three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Hope is a thing that will last forever. I want to say it this way, something that the Lord showed me a while ago. If you have hope in your life, you will always be relevant. Why? Hope is a relevant force, always. Just as faith is, just as love is. If these three things are in you, because these things are relevant, you will always be relevant. You will always have a place in the earth, a place of purpose, a place of power, a place of influence. Why? No matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, these three things exist. Faith, hope, and love. Hope is a relevant force for today. Some people might say, ah, I don't want to hear about that hope stuff. You know, do we really need, to, is this really relevant? You know, I mean, we need, we need something else. No, these three things abide or will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. Hope is a relevant force. And I'm speaking hope into your life right now in the name of Jesus. I want to share with you another scripture that I think is very, very helpful, and that is Romans 15, verse 13. And it says, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. I want to read that one more time. This is a blessing that the Apostle Paul is praying over the, the Romans, and he's saying, I want the God of hope to fill you with all joy and peace. This is what happens when the God of hope fills you, you have peace, you have joy in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing that the God of hope, the God of hope, what does he do? He fills us with joy. He fills you with peace. And he causes you to abound in hope. That's the power of hope. You have joy, you have peace. This is what sustains you in difficulty. This is what sustains you in tribulation, hope. This is why it's a relevant force. This is why we need to walk in hope. Glory to God. I feel something really special here because I believe that God wants to restore your hope. And I believe even as you're hearing these words, your hope is being restored. You're beginning to think about the dreams that you've let down, things that you've given up on, things that you said was too late. I can't go back to that. That ship has sailed. I'll never be able to. This is too difficult. Things that you may not even vocalize, but maybe you've thought about, you've had in your heart, you felt that, you know what? Why should I even attempt this anymore? Mm -mm. God is speaking to you right now, and he's saying, I want your hope to be restored. So if you, if you sense the Lord is nudging you forward, 
you know? I want you to just allow him to nudge you forward and move forward with those promptings. It is not too late. It is not too late. You still have time. Amen. Praise God. God's mercy towards us is something that we should have hope for. You know, mercy can be described as, I, I like, okay, we, we kind of look, look at mercy two ways, right? Or one main way. Uh, we look at mercy, ten, we, we tend to look at mercy as God wanting to strike us, but he decided not to, right? And we'll say, oh, he had mercy. He could have he could have killed us, but he said, I'm not going to. I'm going to be merciful. I think that's a very, 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 very narrow way of looking at mercy. Mercy is a lot, but it's, it's a lot bigger than that. You know, I don't know if you ever played the game Mercy, right? So the game Mercy, you're, you're holding on to people's hands and, and the, the idea is to squeeze and try to, you know, try to bend their, their hand backwards and whoever can't take it you know, and gives up, has to say, mercy, mercy, mercy. In other words, okay, you got me, you got me, and I give up, right? And I need you to have mercy. In other, in other words, I need you to not cause pain anymore. Let, let me go, right? So people have the connotation that mercy is this, this judgment that God wants to release, but he's like, all right, I'll, I'll let you go. I, I, won't, I won't do that. But that's a very, very, very narrow way of looking at mercy. That, that's not the general way that God shows his mercy. Let me show you how he shows his mercy. Mercy is really, if you look at the definition of mercy, it's to stoop down as to an inferior. And the best way to look at this is an adult and a child. Imagine a child, you know, obviously a child is much shorter than an adult, and the adult comes down to the child's level and picks that child up, right? That's an act of mercy. When someone is merciful, they stoop down to an inferior, to someone who is in a vulnerable position, to someone who needs help, to someone who needs someone to hold them. That's the act of mercy. And that's what God releases. He stoops down to our level. He picks us up. Think about a child again who is picked up, right, by an adult. What, what happens? When that, child, when that adult is walking with the child, that child is now moving faster. The child can't move as fast an adult as an adult can. But what happens? The adult says, I'm going to stoop down, I'm going to pick you up, and I'm going to walk with you. So now you're taking the same strides as I'm taking. That's mercy. Right? Imagine I remember uh, taking my daughter, you know, to, to see the, the, the Rockefeller Center tree, right? Christmas. This was many years ago. She, she may have been three years old. Um, and this probably was her first time seeing the Rockefeller, Rockefeller Center the tree. And I remember it's crowded, you know, um, it's crowded. It's thousands of people around. And sometimes, you know, when you get close, it's very difficult to see the tree if you're a child because everyone is taller. So what do I do? I picked her up. I put her on my shoulders, right, so that she can see what I can see. That's an act of mercy. In other words, she's at a vulnerable place. She's at an inferior place. She can't see what I can see. She can't see what others can see. So what does she need? She needs someone to pick her up and elevate her so that she is now able to see what others can see. That is what God does for us. And he wants our hope to be on his mercy. He wants us to hope for his mercy. Lord, elevate me. Allow me to see what I can't see. Pick me up. Help me, strengthen me, 
All of those are acts of God's mercy. And scripture teaches us that he wants our hope to be on his mercy. Praise God. Psalm 147 verse 11 says it this way. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his mercy. Do you hope in God's mercy? Not that God wouldn't just strike you down with lightning. No, 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 no. That's not mercy. Mercy is, Lord, I need to take bigger strides. Will you pick me up and walk with me? Lord, I need to see things that I can't see. Will you elevate me so my sights can be on something that I'm not able to see? Lord, I need people around me that can help and support me. Lord, will you send people? That's an act of mercy. That is what God is saying. I want you to know that I take pleasure in those who fear me and who hope in my mercy. Lord, I thank you for your mercy. When I can't figure things out, when things don't seem to be panning out the way I thought they would, my hope is in your mercy. Lord, when I don't know what to do, my hope is in your mercy. You will show me what to do. You will send the resources. That's what I believe. That's what I'm hoping for. That's where my, that, that's where my anticipation lies, in your goodness and in your mercy. Psalm 33 verse 18 says this, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. The eye of the Lord, God's eye. That's a figurative speech here, but it's to give you the connotation that God is seeing, right? Just as your eye is seeing me and seeing whatever's in your room, God's eye is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. That means if you're not hoping in his mercy, there's an aspect of God that you're missing out on. You're missing out on his ability to guide you with his eye and to direct you with his vision and to allow you to tap into what he sees. God sees you, but he wants you to have hope in his mercy. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 55 verse 3, incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. And here's the everlasting covenant. The sure mercies of David, the sure mercies of David. That's what God is offering you today. I want to give you the sure mercies of David. What is that? What's the sure mercies of David? Well, if you look at the story of David in his life, David needed a lot of mercy. He messed up a lot. He did a lot of things that were corrupt. He was, and, and yet God continued to have mercy on him. You know, it, there's, a, there's a parallel. You can read the life of King Saul, who was the first king of Israel, and then the life of David, who was the second king of Israel. And you'll see that King Saul essentially made one mistake, and he lost the kingdom. He lost the kingdom. And, and there's reasons for that. We don't have time to go into it. But essentially, his heart wasn't right. He feared man over God. He was insecure to the point where he gave his strength to people and refused to do what God has called him to do. That's a very critical thing to God. David wasn't like that. David was a man's man. David was someone who, was, who, who, who trusted God no matter what, but he also made a lot of mistakes. He also made a lot of mistakes. He, he got an innocent man killed. He took his wife, impregnated her. I mean, that, I was corrupt. He took a census, you know, and, and against, against the advice and, and, and the uh, direction or, or the advice of his, of, of, uh, of his second in commanding in the army. He said, I want to know 
what I have in the camp. And his, his second in command said, listen, whatever it is, God can make it a hundred times. But David wanted to get lifted up in who he had in the army. And that resulted in a lot of people dying. But yet God continued to have mercy on David. David made a lot of critical mistakes. And yet we see a term in the Bible, the sure mercies of David. And one of the things that demonstrated the, the sure mercies of David was that God promised David something. He promised that the Messiah would come from his lineage. He promised that his throne would be an everlasting throne. That just as David was king, this king that, that, that David was, it would be a generational blessing that would pass down even down to the Messiah. That's what you call the sure mercies of David. Yeah, you messed up, but I'm going to be merciful to you. Yes, you needed help, but I'm going to lift you up. Yes, you cried out to me, and I'm going to answer you. And you'll see throughout the book of Psalms, which David wrote a lot of it, you'll see that he cried. He cried unto the Lord. He asked the Lord, Lord, help me. Lord, do this. And God would help him. That is what you call the sure mercies of David. And this is what God is saying to you. I'm offering you the sure mercies of David. Look at this, Matthew 9, verse 27, 31, as I close. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out, saying, Son of David. Notice they're calling Jesus Son of David. Why? Notice the next term. Have mercy on us. They understood that there was something about David and something about the Messiah, Jesus. They understood there was a connection there. And they said, have mercy on us. They, they looked for the mercy of the Lord. And when he had come into the house, the blind man came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. That's amazing that they recognize that this is Jesus. He's the son of David. And what did they call for? Mercy. They understood if you're the son of David, if you're the one who's coming from the line of David, that means there's something true about you. You come with mercy. You're the one who releases mercy. You're the one that I can look to for the mercies of the Lord. And I'm blind. I need to see. I need vision. And he, they came to the Lord asking for that. And what did he do? He said yes. And their vision was restored. Maybe you need vision. Maybe you're not physically blind, but there's some things you need to see. You know what the answer to that is? The mercies of the Lord. Maybe you're not physically deaf. Perhaps you are. I don't know what your condition is, but maybe you need to hear, whether in the realm of the spirit or you need to hear naturally. There's physical healing and there is also spiritual healing available to you. God can open your ears. God can cause you to hear what you need to hear. Maybe you just don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. You don't see what's going on and you need to know what's going on. The mercies of God is there for you. Praise God. I want you to know that you can have mercy today, but you got to call out for it. And you have that, that's where your hope has to lie. Your hope has to lie on the mercy of God. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so excited about the mercies of God. Listen, I keep saying it and I want to say it again. These are your best days. 
Don't have a negative outlook. Don't have a pessimistic outlook. Don't look at these days as tough and, and it's not going to go well with me. No, start changing your words. Start changing your confession. Start declaring the Lord is being merciful towards me. He's lifting me up. He's giving me vision. He's giving me hearing. He's giving me a heart to perceive truth. And I'm moving forward. I'm going to live in victory in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. This is your portion. This is your portion. I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray uh, for mercy. And I want you to lock in with me here because I believe that as I pray, you're going to enter into a new level of mercy. And this, will you, this is where your hope will be. Father, in the name of Jesus, every person that is hearing me right now, that viewer that is there, needing the mercies of God, let your mercy come upon them in a new and fresh way. I pray, Lord God, that you would establish them. Establish them, Lord God, in the hope of your calling for their life. May they have a burning conviction and a revelation of what you planned for them. And may they not be moved. I'm speaking over you right now. You will not be moved. Things will move around you. Things will be shifted around you, but you will be at peace. You will not be moved. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to really encourage you to receive him right now. This is an opportunity for you to be saved. And I want you to say this prayer with me. Father, I receive your son, Jesus Christ, as my savior. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Come into my life. I receive you as my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the very first time, I congratulate you. Hang on because we want to share some more information about this walk that you've just embraced with Jesus Christ. I'm just so excited that you will do that. Let us, let us help you walk this walk out. Hang on for just a minute. We have some important announcements for you. God bless you. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our website at www.nylifechurch.com and click on the gift tab. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Go and live a purpose-driven life.